Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yeah, it wasn't cheap. Um, you know, we like doing it the real way around here. And um, I don't know. When John and I were first concepting this room, we were like, well, anything beyond like a laptop is cool. You know what I mean? But like, let's do this. You know, so we went shopping and we, yeah. we got all the right stuff. And Looks it, great. it took us a couple months Thank to you. build it. Thanks. And then once we build it, we're like, oh, let's let's add the curtain. Let's add the light. Like the kind of, we rolled the first couple of ones without the light, but so yeah. But it's home, man. It's um, it's cozy. We're happy. You know what I mean? I can get my blanket here, <laughs> right? and we can put on TV. We can watch some TV if you want. We got Hulu Live. Ah, so we can hang out. Trying to take a break. Yeah, actually, you know the funny thing is, is um, I was just reading a story the other day that was in what's that big. UK paper. The Telegraph or something? I don't know, one of those. They had some report that the U.S. is being spied on by their smart TVs. Probably. I didn't know there were cameras in smart TVs. Dude, Siri and... No, it's crazy. Who's the other one? Alexa? Alexa. Fuck that girl. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be fun. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I didn't realize that cameras were actually in smart TVs at all. I, no, I didn't realize. No, I mean. Every I, TV? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, no. I don't see a camera anywhere. I don't know, man. But they're saying that smart you're, TVs, you're being spied on by your smart TV. You're paranoid. I'm always paranoid. <laughs> that's, that's nothing new. <laughs> so how how you doing? I'm great. Life is good. We're Thanks. getting ready to go to Guatemala. Are you? Mm-hmm. Right. You're going to go down and visit Ozzy? Yeah, we're doing a trip at Aussies. It's called Expedition Fish Track. Mm-hmm. So we've been advertising it for two, three months, and it's going to be cool. It's all through Fish Track. Our bunch of Fish Track users, a couple of my buddies, uh, Tony DeJulian's coming, mm-hmm. and we're going to sort of 
teach people how to use our SST charts and water temp and chlorophyll and do some like lightweight seminars and mm-hmm. then fish all day and do some on boat stuff. Um, you know, obviously angling skills, you know, drop back. They fish all circle hooks down there, like pretty much everywhere these days, which is great. So showing people how to, I got some people coming from South Dakota, you know. Really? Yeah, you know, they're just getting into the saltwater game. It's retired nice. couple. They got a boat in Cabo or somewhere. And so they're all gung-ho. It should be a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah, it's first time doing it, so I'm a little nervous. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think all in all it'll be good. First time doing the whole expedition thing. Yeah, I'm not used to, like, charging people to go fishing oh, right yeah you know yeah. i mean i've been on a million charter boats and everything but um it was really ozzy been bugging me for a while mm-hmm. to do something and then uh it, it's perfect because with the fish track product people are always asking me like why do i need to know water temperature why do i need to know the color of the water what's altimetry what's you know why is current important mm-hmm. and it's really hard to explain unless you're sitting in front of them so this will be a good opportunity we'll you know show them everything. We'll look at the maps and the charts and look at their home waters and talk about warm water eddies and loop currents and, you know, all that fun stuff. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Having people in front of you is always, um, always makes a big difference. Now, I know a lot of times when um, we do like, like logo stuff, mm-hmm. like not like full illustration. Cause that's just, no one wants to watch that. Literally you're watching paint dry. You know, it's not a very attractive experience unless you're the one doing it. Well, with a logo, it's kind of a quicker, you know, process. And when I have someone next to me, I'm like, do you like this? Do you like that? Do you like this? Do you like that? It saves a lot of back and forth email time. And, you know, so Yeah, but then they always pick the worst one, right? Well, when you're with them, you can <laughs> talk You can talk them into the good ones. I know that the, game, too. Easier. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's the, so funny. Yeah, the creative process is, is an interesting one. It's hard to make everybody happy. With that creative stuff, especially if it's their, you know, boat name or company name or. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many times that, um, with, with the captain or the owner or more than likely the owner that we got everything done and settled and then they come back and like, Oh, I showed it to my wife and we got to start over. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, don't ever show the wife. (laughs) Send it to print. Yeah. (laughs) The best is the guy who was like, I want the blue Marlin with the cigar in his mouth Mm -hmm. and the bikini. Yeah. And you're just probably rolling your eyes. Yeah, everyone's got the great idea. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Hey, it puts food on the table, keeps a roof over my head. It's fun. And yeah. uh, but, it um, makes it challenging. Yeah. But there are some ideas that people, you know, the, the fun one is, or the funnest, the best ones are, is when people come in and they have a really bad idea and they're super excited about it. Mm, and you got to pop their bubble. Yeah, I mean, you either pop their bubble and if you, you can't pop their bubble because sometimes you're like, no, 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 I just want to see it. All right, well, there have been times where I'm, at this point, I'm just like, we're not going to do it. Sorry. You know, yeah. But, you know, they, they, I still get those crazy, stupid ideas come through. And, you know, at a certain point, you got to ask yourself, so I'm like, is there any integrity in this project at all? But yeah. I don't know. As a writer, too, a lot of people want to read what you write before you publish it. So that's always been sort of a, Mm-hmm. Bone of contention. A lot of magazines are like, nope, because yeah. they don't want you to change the voice or. Yeah. Know. But I'm all about it because I want it to be accurate. Mm-hmm. So I've been writing a lot of personality stuff. Um, so if I'm about, if I'm going to, like I wrote a story about you, 
I'm obviously gonna. I would like you to read it and make sure. Mm-hmm. Like, no, Charlie, that wasn't my high school, or you know, just right. the factual yeah. stuff. But uh, not get into the real word choice. But yeah, you always got to respect um, you know, the artist, the writer, the creative, um, because they're the ones that do it every day. They're the ones that they're the professionals. That's their trade. That's their job. Because I think mm-hmm. the funny thing is, is when people that don't do it for a living. They get all excited about it, you know what I mean? Because it's a different thing for them to, you know, to get into. But, you know, they'll come in with direction that's like, well, you know, that's that's not going to work because X, Y, and Z. And if they still want to push it that way, it gets a little frustrating because, you know, you really got to listen to the professional. I always think to your point that you're saying about the writing, I mean, people write things about me. You know, I don't ever attempt to even tell them, well, you should do it this way. You should do it that way. That that would be completely wrong of me because I'm not a professional writer. You know, you, you always want to look at things. You step back and I'll proof check it for your or proof it for factual things. Yeah. Like, just like you're saying for sure. Um, or like there was one piece written about me recently where I was like, you know what? This person was involved in the project too. You might want to try to add them in there somehow if you could. If not, you know what I mean? I understand. But you got to really trust the creative professional with, you know, their trade and their yeah. process. And I think, you know, these days everyone thinks they do everything. You yeah. Know, because we're in this like slash, I'm yep. a writer slash photographer slash graphic designer slash right. influencer. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like oh, people the influence, get, don't forget the influencer uh, part. But the people want to be in control. <laughs> and it's, you know, yeah. a lot of the times it's good to have an outside perspective. So, like, you know, when I'm a more often than not, I think. Yeah, because we could both look at that can of beer and see two different things. So mm-hmm. I think that's the cool part of it when you're and and the other thing too, people think it's so easy. Like you, know, you look at this beautiful mural you got or painting on the wall here, and it's like, oh god, that's how did you do that? And but that's probably thirty years of experience. Yeah, thanks for thanks for making me younger than I really am. But. I'm just you know <laughs> trying to make it look good. Uh, it's cool. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. I mean. Someone recently asked me, you know, how long did the bridge take? And I was like, my whole life. Yeah. Basically, you know, because it's it's definitely a process of um, experience and it's mm-hmm. a process of, you know, education and self-education and, you know, continuing education. Because I always say that you don't learn anything in college, so you really learn on your first job. And I was actually just having um, a conversation with them. Um, my niece about this, who's a senior at NC state, she's about to graduate. And then I'm like, you know, what are you going to, what are your plans? She's like, I don't know yet. You know what I mean? I guess I'm going to get a job or, you know, I said, are you going to get a postgraduate degree? And she's like, I think maybe eventually, you know, but I don't know. Like she's very wishy-washy. I said, let me give you some advice. Go get a job. Yeah. You don't know anything yet. Go get the job. That's when you really start to learn. Because you just basically are getting, you got your foundation. That's it. You think you know things, but you don't really know anything. Yeah. You know, that's good you, advice. You don't learn till you get that first job. It's different now, though. Like, I never did an internship. Mm-mm. When I went to school, I'll give you the short version. Well, I guess we have time, right? Maybe. You got all the time in the world, Charlie. <laughs> so I went to school in Colorado because I wanted to be a, I grew up in Connecticut and I wanted to be an alpine skier. And so I got that giant book of colleges. Really? And I applied to, I applied to four schools. They were the four closest universities to a major ski resort in the country. Did you go to Boulder? (laughs) 
No, I went to Western State in Gunnison, Colorado. It's a tiny little school. Really? Skied 100 days a year, worked at the mountain. But then, you know, I bumped around. I dropped out for a semester or two here and there. And I was actually a janitor at Mount Crested Butte cleaning toilets. I had to walk around with a walkie-talkie. And um, we'd get the call every once in a while, you know, we got a uh, brown trout in the goth cafeteria. <laughs> so I would have to go and <laughs> manhandle the brown trout. Um, a brown trout. Yeah. You I like can, it. But, uh, but it was great because you. Any flies on that brown trout? <laughs> it would get pretty gnarly in there, man. <laughs> Plus people are walking around with snowy s- ski boots. So everything's slushy and yeah. wet and just yeah. gross. Um but I would get in early. I think I clocked in at seven and I would clean all the admin buildings. Those weren't bad. And then you take a four hour ski break and then you come back and clean everything again. And that was your day. Mm-hmm. But you had the walkie talkie. But after two winters <laughs> of dealing with brown trouts, I decided to go back to school like hardcore. And uh, by then my parents were like, you're on your own. So I had to pay it my own way, which was also really good because I took right. it way more serious. And I paid my, my own way through college too. And I knew I wanted to be a writer. I always knew I wanted to be a writer. I always played around with writing, you know, stories, books. and um, But then I just got involved with the school newspaper. Mm-hmm. And I worked my way up my senior year. I was the editor of the paper. And that was, I learned more running that newspaper than I really did in any of my classes because it was a true newspaper. We had to sell the ads. Mm-hmm. We had to deal with a printer. I had writers. Was I had a daily? It was a weekly. A weekly? It was called Top of the World. And I, I got myself into some sticky situations. I wrote a few real racy editorials that pissed off people. I had the whole football team in my office one day because I wrote a story about the the coach. Really? Yeah. This guy, uh, he got busted for DUI. It was a small town. Gunnison's a super small town. And there was one sports bar called Timbers, and this guy... I guess, should I say his name? He's probably dead. This is freaking 20 years ago. Do whatever you want. Or what's the rule on that, John? I mean, John makes the rules in here aside on the. I don't know. Do it. <laughs> if, if it comes up later, I'll bleep it out. But maybe, right. maybe the whole football team will come in your office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. No, what, what's, it, what's the guy's name? The guy's name was Duke Iverson. And Duke he, Iverson. he was actually a pretty chill guy, but he had like his bar stool at, at the sports bar and he was there all the time. And uh, so he left the bar swerving down the road and this cop got behind him, turned the lights on to pull him over. And the guy just drove all the way home, went in the garage, shut the garage door, went upstairs, went to bed. And the cop was knocking on the door and like the guy never answered the door. And it was like, so it was a small town and the story got out and I, I got the police report and I read it and I'm like, this is like a sitcom. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like no one should be able to get away with that. Right. But he was a public figure in a small town, and he ended up not really getting in trouble at all. So, of course, I lambasted him in the newspaper saying, you know, if I had done that or if any of the professors or, you know, any of this stuff, like, it's total BS. Like, mm-hmm. So the paper came out, and then, like, that afternoon there was all these, you know, I'm five eight on a good day. <laughs> these guys just all up in my face, in my office, screaming, wanting to kick my ass, so... I learned the power of a uh, spoken word pretty quick or written word. And, um, but I handled it well. Yeah, what I, think. I, I said to him, I'm like, look, write me a response, you know, and I'll, I'll publish it say anything you want about me. You know, I mean, you right. can't swear or you can't do any of that, but 
And I did publish it, and those guys hated my guts for the rest of my college career. (laughs) But, um, you know, it it sold papers. Like, at the end of the day, that's kind of what you learn is, like, what you don't really realize what people are into. And and it's so different now with all these freaking ways to communicate and getting bombarded constantly. Mm, But you quickly learn what is um, sellable and what's just sort of, you know, noise. You know, it's a really good point because I struggle with that here on the show sometimes. And, you know, this uh, this whole thing is, I mean, it's almost like an experiment what we're doing here. I mean, the, the, the idea of a podcast is nothing new, but like the way we're approaching the show is it's kind of like it's a very organic shape-shifting experience kind of. Um, there's no piece of paper in front of me. It's completely off the cuff. And we talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- the conversation just takes on a life of its own. But I got to kind of like, to your point, what you're saying, right? I got to stop saying things like to your point. But to, from what you're saying is like, well, what's noise and what's, you know what I mean? What do people get after? Yeah. What, what, what are the people going to pay attention to? What's going to hook them in, in, into the conversation? And a lot of times, the less I think about that, the better it is. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but you, yeah, you got to be natural. I think authenticity is always so important. Yeah, and, and I think it's cool because there are so many interesting characters in our little world, and these guys come from all different, you know, backgrounds, and they've done all these cool things. So you're you're really just cataloging all these stories, and I think it's great for the sport what you're doing here. I'm stoked to be on. Um, we're stoked to have you. Oh, <laughs> but it's the same, you know, I, that's why I like writing those longer articles. Like with a podcast, there's no, you're not limited to the amount of characters like a post or something. It's, mm-hmm. it's long form and it's, I listen to a ton of podcasts. Yeah, me too. I love them. That's, yeah. uh, and I think it's, you can learn a lot of cool stuff too. Like if you wanted to have somebody come in here and teach you how to rig Ballyhoo, like that's not me. We didn't yeah. want the show to ever be that. Yeah, you know I mean? it's it's really we we the last thing I wanted was that you know, this isn't a fishing show. I mean, most of the people we bring on are of the fishing world because those are most of my friends. Mm-hmm. So it's like okay, um, it's going to be a lot of fishing involved. But I don't really really like when um, I guess when Rufus was in here, we talked well. He talked a lot about yeah. you know, different fishing, but we also we try to get to the culture behind things because that's the one thing that we saw in this, like you said, this crazy little world that we live in I mean the characters are abound yeah all over the place and you know if you want to you know those are the people that are famous to me right not like you know you want LA you want Hollywood you can have it you can take it you can burn it down I really don't care right in my world you everyone else we brought on those are the people that matter to me those are the people that are famous to me you know what I mean those are the stars in my world yeah, and, it's, know, and it's, I want to accentuate that because I think you guys are all special people and the world needs to know it. Cool. No, I'm with you. And a lot of those folks may not have that opportunity to share their story. So it's, yeah. it's a cool thing. Yeah, we it's, it, that's another thing too. We feel good about it because we can give people a platform, state their name and rank and all that, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Did I get off on a tangent there? It's all good. What were we talking about? I... Brown trout. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't Who came to... up with the name brown trout? 
I don't know. Is that kind of like a story thing? Is that like a Colorado thing? It was just a funny thing. So you're not using foul language on yeah. the radio. But man, I saw, I've had so many weird jobs. I was thinking about you this were the a other day. That's, you know, I find that awesome. Oh man, I've done it all. I used to drive a tow truck. A tow truck? Yeah. When I was like 17, I drove a tow truck. And in Connecticut? Uh, in Connecticut for Guilford Texco. Um, what else? I've done. been a pizza delivery guy. I've worked in a million I restaurants. Did the pizza thing. pizza I did. delivery is the best gig. I was my favorite job. I, I actually, I actually was working in college. I was working at BC Surf and Sport, and I was delivering pizzas at night, and then going to college. And that pizza gig was like once I got to that job, it was almost like I could put my feet up. Yeah, listen you know, to make some do music. whatever I wanted to in my car. Sure, right. And then we would just deliver pizzas all over and just get tips and. You know, let me go home with a wad of cash in my pocket. And pizza. And pizza. And pizza, yeah, yeah. you always take a pizza home with Pizza you. is almost like currency when you're at that age. Yeah. You show up to a party with a couple of pies. You're like, big man. Yeah. You ever get the ones your friends call you, like, before you're about to leave? You're like, yeah. hey, can you pick up a large pepperoni? Yeah, well, our thing yeah. was the place I worked at, they would have pies that they would sell for slices. Mm -hmm. So whatever was left of those, yep. they would let us take. Mm-hmm. So I would always be like, make a couple extra slice pies for me, yeah. would you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always good. You know, it's always good to be friends with the um, the pie maker. Oh yeah, and I, totally. I would show up. I had a buddy whose house was like the party house. So after I'd get off work at like midnight and show up with two big pizzas, and they'd have, yeah. you know, their pupils would look like dinner plates by the time I got there. <laughs> yep. So it was all good. Yeah, we had, we had a party house too. We called Club Roto. Shout out to Club Roto. Oh, it lives forever. Oh, sounds fun. Yeah, Club, it was Alex and Carlos Roto. Carlos was actually the pie maker. Oh. So it was either him or me bringing home the pie every night. So Where did you go to school? I went to Gibbons here in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Yeah. Art school. Oh, art school. I went to Ringling, Sarasota. That I knew. Yeah. I, we, called it, we used to call it Sorry Soda. Ringling's a heck of a school. Ringling's a heck of a school. At the time when I was there... Um, there wasn't really much in the town now. I haven't been to the town Sarasota, right? in years. Yeah, but I hear that Sarasota's really built up and expanded. And Yeah. A good friend of mine in Orlando, he works from home, but the company's based in Sarasota, so he's there all the time, and he's on the Dawn Patrol. He usually, it's cool. You can run out and catch a redfish, go wade fishing. A lot of lady fish out there. Yeah. A lot of them. Right, right off the bridge there. What's that on the way over to... Lido Key and CSC. I don't Key know that area that well. Yeah. That was a fun time over there. A lot you of blue-haired ladyfish running around over there. Yeah. You know, it's funny because <laughs> well, that's when, true everywhere now. When you pull down when you pull into the town, this it says welcome to Sarasota and it also says it in French Canadian. Like oh, right below. So that's not a good sign. Mm -mm. <laughs> I saw it right right when I right when we I went to go check out the school. I was like, oh Ooh, that's yeah. bad. But No, good. I'm just kidding. I love French Canadians. Uh-huh. Shout out. <laughs> They're here now. Oh, I bet. Yeah. All over the place. It's cold now. I'm driving 20 miles an hour in a 45. Yeah. I don't in really. Left lane. So you grew up down here. Mm-hmm. You've lived here your whole life? Whole life. Okay. Yeah, except for the time in Sarasota. So, I mean, I've lived in Pompano, Coral Springs, Boca, you know, all different times of my life. But yeah, it's stomping grounds. Okay. So. It's funny driving over here, my grandparents retired down here and lived in this trade winds place that I just drove by. Oh, really? Yeah. They lived here forever ago. But I was like, oh my God, I know all these roads. It was all really familiar. That's cool. I haven't been this way in a while. 
So you were a janitor, you were a pizza delivery guy, and now you are a successful writer and have been for quite some time. Yeah. And you brought a book with you because I, I want to talk about the book. Can we talk about the book? I'd love to. Yeah? Sure. Suck dry. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. R-E-E-L. Mm-hmm. Of course. So this is your book that you put out, um, and it's been selling like hotcakes, and I love it. Thank um, you. That means a lot. Do you um, you want to share with the the audience? Yeah. Of like what what how long did this take, and you know what I mean? Like what was your process beforehand? And I know there was somewhat of a a process getting this one out, like you know, because it's really a culmination of a lot of effort on your behalf, right? On that one. Yeah, like I said, I always I always wanted to be a writer, and so I tried to write a bunch of books. Like I started a bunch of books that never really went anywhere. And mostly because I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Like I remember I started a book about a valet driver in Las Vegas. Yeah. Know nothing about any of that, but I thought it'd be cool. Cause he like was, <laughs> you finish it. No, no, no. And then I was like, as a kid, I would watch all the mob movies. I wanted to be like a mob guy. Right. I, I don't know anything about the mob. Oh, did you, have you seen, sorry to cut you off. The Irishman. Have, yeah. Did you see it yet? Yeah. So I fell asleep on it twice. It's already, long. But it was really, really late when I started it. So that was like, all right, made like half an hour. I think I watched it. But it's good. Two or three sittings. Yeah. I remember I'm like, no, don't fall asleep. No, I don't want to fall asleep. <laughs> it's yet. all those yeah. fun characters. You, you know, it's got yeah. everybody in it. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's got all the classic guys. Pacino, Pesci, De Niro, Harvey Keitel's in it. Mm-hmm. Like Ray Romano's in it. Yeah, Ray Romano's in it. They all bring their A game too. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I cut you off. You're That's talking okay. about being a mob writer. But all I knew about being in the mob was what I saw in a Scorsese movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, but I just wanted to write cool stories. And then, you know, through, so, you know, I worked at Marlon Magazine for mm-hmm. almost 10 years. And because of that, that really got me traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to places I could have never afforded to go to. And I met all these heavyweight guys um, who just took me under their wing and, you know, I was in my 20s for the most part. I think I started there maybe when I was like 25 and I was single. And so I got to travel and party and just have mm-hmm. fun. And for me, like that was a big part of this world. You go somewhere cool, you fish, you hang out, you drink beers, you know, you share yeah. funny stories. Maybe you find yourself in a ditch or whatever. Right. You never know what's going to happen. And, and at that time in my life, now I have kids and I have no desire. Changes everything. Yeah, I'm glad I did it when I did. So right. so I got to do all this fun stuff, and then I got invited on this trip to Cuba with all these fly fishing guys, mm-hmm. and they were all writers. And um, this one guy, Chris Santella, he really smart guy. He's written all these books. His The first one he wrote was uh, 50 Places to Fly Fish Before You Die, and then it kind of turned into a series like 50 places to golf, 50 places to dive. Okay. He's, he's done a whole bunch of them. So I'm out there fishing with him, and I'm telling him some story about these guys I fished with in New Zealand. And he was, like, rolling, laughing. New, Ze- New Zealand? Yeah. Half the book is about New Zealand. I didn't read the whole book, yeah. <laughs> Slacker. <laughs> I loved it. I did love it. I still love it. <laughs> so I was telling him this story, and he's like, you got to write that. You got to write that. Right. And I never really thought of writing stuff based on like my own real experiences. So I fictionalized everything. All these people in this book are 
fictional characters. See, all right, so that's what threw me off. It's not so, about me. Right, I know that. that. That's what I'm saying. You've been in New Zealand. You're like, yeah, well, half the book's about New Zealand. I'm like, okay. Yeah, well, well because I... Well, that makes sense. It's kind of like a, almost like an alter ego, somewhat. It, it is. It's not an alter ego. It's just... I was trying, so I wrote that chapter first and I didn't even really have the main character. I didn't know what it was going to be. And mm -hmm. I just started writing these stories based on like funny things that happened, you know, or funny stories I had heard that I kind of fictionalized and made into other stuff. And so I was writing these stories, but I had to find a way to, you know, a, a common thread to sort of make it all weave together. And then I came up with this character, Parker, Parker McPhee. And, you know, I was thinking like, well, he's got to have money to be able to do all this stuff. So he came from a wealthy family, but his dad was not like a lucky sperm club. His dad was a hardworking guy, blue collar guy who just worked his butt off and made money and then, um, but loved to fish. And this is probably the most biological part is just growing up. My dad loved to fish and probably the most quality time we spent together was on the water. So that part of it and where there's some father son stuff. And also while I was doing all this, I had kids. So that kind of changes your perspective on things. And I started realizing how lucky right, I like was to, you know, be able to fish and grow up around boats and all this stuff that I totally took for granted. So, then once I had sort of a, a character and there was like a theme, then it kind of started to go a little quicker. But it wasn't like I'm going to write a story about this, you know, journey or some sort of like Star Wars thing or something. It just sort of was like, okay, I'm going to write this fishing book. I'm not going to write a How to Rig Ballyhoo book. So but no jo Joseph Campbell experience, the hero's journey? Oh, I love Joseph Campbell. Yeah, yeah that, well, maybe a little bit because... And some of those, so in the New Zealand chapter, he he's battling a really big swordfish and it takes a long time and the weather gets really bad and all these things kind of, and the, it's night. And so like everything that could possibly make it even harder does. So, I mean, if you really want to talk about myth and Joseph Campbell, like every... He gets assistance. Well, he goes to the underworld. Right. He And he battles his way out, you know, and, and the fish is sort of the big you know, old man in the sea. And there's a few lines in there that hearken to the old man in the sea. Like I remember at the, uh, there was one line in that book where he was something of the fact, like you fought too hard or you're too good to kill or like you don't die. But I mean, obviously he had to kill. And then Can the we read that part? Up. It might take me a minute to find it. But yeah. I want to hear it. Oh my gosh. Can we do that? Yeah. But you're going to have to bear. You might want to like hit cut or do do a commercial break or something. No, it's good. I can bullshit my way through it. Um, but well, half, oh, half, by the way, <laughs> we never even said welcome to Connected by Water, presented by Joey Cardi Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Subaru. Shout out I'm to getting, Joey. I'm getting good at that, the whole thing now. Like, now I don't even think about it. Before, I was like, am I going to remember gonna be every second car? Nature right now, it's like second nature. So I'm going to do a commercial for Joey Cardi then while you're doing that. I got my Dodge Ram Rebel 1500 a few weeks ago. And I am absolutely in love with that truck. Um, like I'm not even, like I don't even need to do a commercial about that to say that because that thing is incredible. Um, 5.7 liter Hemi V8 hums purrs like a kitten or roars like a lion. Um, can pull big boats. 
Um, nice leather interior, super nice leather interior. The, the kids love it. There's so much room in that double cab. Yeah. They, they play in the back of that thing. Mm-hmm. They ride so nice, too. Beautiful. Does it have the, the air suspension? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. No, this one doesn't have the air suspension, okay. but it is a 4x4. Yeah. 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 No, the air suspension, they didn't have one of those on the line. I'm like, I just wanted one today. Mm-hmm. Just give me that thing. Yeah. You know, so, but it, it is a sweet truck. thing is killer. Um, but yeah, no, we, my wife, um, Liz keeps stealing it from me. <laughs> like, <laughs> Do you she, have it today? <clears throat> I have it today. Yeah. But she's like, yeah, yeah I'm going to take your <laughs> truck when I go to public. So I'm yeah. going to, you know, I mean? things like that. So, but yeah, she can't handle it. Like the fact that I have the car now, the big truck and she's yeah. got my Tacoma. Yeah. And she's just like, mm. Or she used to really like that thing a lot. Now, now I got the Rebel. She's all about it. Yeah, now she wants that one. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna get the Tacoma again soon. Yeah, and I'm designing the wrap for it as we speak. Nice. Yeah. So we're gonna wrap that up. Did you find it? I'm close. Okay. So he's been battling this fish for hours and hours and hours, and they finally get it, and he's got to make the call whether he wants to kill it or release it. Okay. And. Fishing with him is this just disgusting human being. So it was kind of a shared charter. So Parker got kind of roped into this trip. The captain was like, yeah, come on this. You know, you always want to go sword fishing here. I got a trip for you. This guy, I've got extra room. This guy is just like the quintessential annoying New Yorker. So he calls him Paca, like the like a jacket. Parka. Oh, Paca. <laughs> Paca, so, you going to catch tuna? Oh, yeah. And he's just obnoxious. And um, so... It's a baby whale. So that guy, his name <laughs> in the book is uh, Marvin, and he's all pissed because Parker is uh, fighting this big fish. So they're getting near the end. Uh, the boat was in neutral. Let's see. Bobbed and bounced, making any movements on deck difficult. I slithered out of the chair onto the deck. My entire body spent. I didn't have the strength to combat the roll of the ocean. I got on my hands and knees, crawled to the side of the boat where it meets the transom. Billy was holding the leader just a few feet from the fish's mouth, but he wouldn't be able to hold it for long. The giant animal was right there, two feet off the starboard side. Its sheer size was mesmerizing, a monster. Hard to believe that something this big can swim with such power, speed, and determination. I I leaned over to see the swordfish up close, coming eye to eye with it. Its gallant sword swayed with the pitch of the boat. The fight within the beast was gone now. The fish was definitely dying on the line. Make a call, Parker, John said, the captain. I stuck my hand in the water and rubbed the side of the fish. The flanks of the fish were huge, about the width of a Clydesdale horse. My hand looked puny against its bronze back, its eyeball as large as a softball staring at me. The dorsal fin stood a solid 20 inches tall. I was in awe. I had just reeled in a fucking elephant. The tender moment between me and the swordfish did not last long. What the fuck are you doing, Paca? <laughs> yelled Marvin, his head sticking out of the cabin door, spittle flying. Take that fish. I want to hang it on my fucking wall. I shook my head and looked at Harry, who had his camera in his hand. Say cheese, Harry said as he began to snap a bunch of photos. I managed to get up on one knee like a tired football player, soaked to the bone. The energy drained out of every inch of my body, but complete joy splattered across my face. Harry jumped around to snap photos from several angles, trying to get the entire fish in the frame, which was not easy because of the fish's length. As I stared at the beast and reflected on its power and fight, I decided to let the animal swim away, to release it. This fish taught me what it means to never give up, 
This fish taught me what it means to set a goal and reach it. That was the object of this fish, of this trip, and I had accomplished my objective. I pulled Billy's knife, knife out of its sheath on his safety belt, reached out toward my catch, and cut the line. This fish could not be... Wait, this is the line. This fish could be defeated but not destroyed. Not by me. So that line, this fish could be defeated but not destroyed, is like from Hemingway. Dude, that's awesome. It's, yeah. Like this, descriptively, that was incredible. Thanks. Yeah, no, I mean, you painted a picture. Oh, right yeah, there. this whole... You know, it's funny. My the, the Clydesdale, the softball. I mean, the the elephant. I mean, you painted a picture, man. That was great. Thanks. My my wife edited the book, and she said that chapter brought like when he released the fish. She was like, I started crying. Yeah, and she could care less about. It's fish. nice hearing you read it too. Really, yeah. I yeah. I always get nervous. No, but it, it's it's good. I mean, the, when you hear the writer say the words, and because you get really true intention, and I love when you feel, hey, pie, I want that. <laughs> you know, what I mean, you you get like. You know, the writer's sense of what that person really—it's funny. Sounds man. like I don't know if you've spent a lot of time on charter boats, but some of the funniest stories of these like people who show up on these boats. Yeah, I mean, I don't not not too much charter boat stuff. I mean, it was more more fun fishing, more tournament fishing. Yeah, you know what I mean. My dad had a six pack license, but we didn't really run many charters. I, I was a terrible mate. Yeah, I think I, I mean I only think I really been on. A handful of charters, like true charters, mm-hmm. like my entire life. Most of them just, I'm just fishing buddies. out here with buddies and, or, you know, jumping on with a tournament. You know what I mean? I um, like charter fishing because some of these captains are just so smart. Yeah. And so good at what well, they do. Th- that's, that's the thing. It's like, I you actually want to do it more. You know what I mean? I, I'd love to, even, even captains that I know, you know, I just want to just be like, hey, I want to charter you and like take me out for like for real. Let's do this. You know what I mean? Rather yeah. than, you know, it'd be like a lay day. My dad, my dad always said, you should learn at least one thing every time you go fishing. Mm-hmm. Even if the one thing you learn is I don't ever want to go fishing with that guy ever again. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No doubt about it. But it's true because there's a million different ways to do the same thing. And, again, see, there we go. I keep finding analogies. Is it analogy or my, no analogies, right? Between fishing and art. Like nonstop, especially on the shows. We like cathartically talk through everything. Is one of the things that we always talk about, and I'm not going to bring this up again because John's going to be like, "Dude, you got to stop talking about that." We always talk about like when you go fishing with someone, it's like it's a different experience than when you just hang out with someone. Like not fishing, you bond, and there's this whole like tribal thing about it, for sure. You know, but another thing that we always try to do on the show is just try to like see like comparisons between like fishing and art, like the process behind it, because I think fishing is an art. Yeah. It's a sport, but it's really an art more so than a sport, I think. Um, but, you know, you kind of just, you know, hit the nail on the head. You'd learn something, one thing new, like every time. And that's how I am with every painting or even every design. And that's how you improve. Yeah. You, know, you always try to, like, it, it, even if you don't consciously recognize it, always kind of search out, like, what do they learn in this painting? Because if you're just really just sitting there to crank it out and just get past it and just, just do it just to do it, then you're missing it completely completely i mean you probably shouldn't like and if you start doing that too often then you need to walk away yeah and the same thing goes for fishing too if like if you're a storied captain and you're you're just a lot of times you know charter after charter after charter if you're getting worn down that's you see all these grizzled captains Mm -hmm. you know over the years that are drunks or whatever they've gone through three wives and they got multiple kids and stuff like that it's, it's, it's a very tough life 
Um, and maybe if you just kind of search a little bit you know, for that improvement. Yeah. You know, and there's always, maybe there's an evolution change. to be had, you know, for sure. I, you know, do you know, Bobby Brown captain, not, <laughs> oh, I think not that, that guy. Like, right. I was about to start singing the real step. He caught that one of the giant blue Marlin in Hawaii. He used to run a boat over there in Hawaii. Um, I think it was called no problem. Mm-hmm. I know the captain you're talking about. Yeah, but he, yeah. I don't know him well. I don't even know why I'm talking about him. I don't know him, but. But I, I got yeah. to ride on his boat one day, and I was asking him, like, why'd you leave Hawaii? You know, no, 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 no. And he's, for those, he's like, it was impossible to have a life. And so now he he's got a gig with a private boat owner, and, mm-hmm. you know, he can have a family and all that stuff. So you can, you hear a lot of horror stories about guys getting all messed up on drugs and stuff. Because mm-hmm. it's the same reason those commercial guys do. It's like a lot right. of them are young, and, you know, having worked in restaurants, like I always felt like mates are sort of the same kind of guy that becomes a cook. Right. They're not stupid. They're, they're good with their hands. They're hardworking. They like to have fun. And you know, that thrill of like pulling on a fish is like the thrill of like frenetic, crazy kitchen. It's sort Mm of, but what happens is, I mean, there's usually a party scene in both those. Right. And then you start throwing some money at it. It's easy to see. I would have done it, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe I made it through all that. Right. Because it is tempting. Um, But you can always make a change. Not easy. Not easy. No. Especially you start getting over 40. Oh, yeah. You start getting set in your way. I still don't know what I want to (laughs) do. Yeah, you know. I, 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 I debate on this in my brain constantly. Well, you're kind of still evolving with, with all your ventures that you have. Yeah, but, I, I, you know, I love writing more than anything mm-hmm. when it comes to career stuff. Um, but it's probably like only what I, I only do it like 20% of the time now because I'm running, you know, these websites. I run, you know, Fish Track and Buoy Weather and all the marketing and partnerships and advertising and all this other stuff that you have to do to make money to be able to keep it alive. Trust me. That you're in the same boat. You probably more so. And Do you realize that this is the first year of my life, right? With, with all the new things that we have going on in the studio. Now I've done illustration and you know, digital work and graphic design, different things, just stuff to keep the business going. I've been doing more business running than creative lately, which that's got to change. Yeah. It's the first year of my entire it life. It wears you out. It's the first year of my life I haven't done a, a painting. All year? I haven't painted. Dude, what the fuck are you doing here? Exactly. <laughs> it's like I'm running the business. Yeah. You know what I mean? You I, have to. You know, I mean, this is fun for me. You know, it's cathartic and it's relaxing. And so this is, when I bring people on the podcast, like, it's almost like I'm so damn busy. I need to have a podcast just so I can, like, talk to my friends. You know what I mean? And to bring people on, this is relaxing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's just completely a break for me. You know, I love when people come on the podcast. For John, it's different because he's over there taking notes and he's breaking his hand. And he's got all the <laughs> editing. To do. He's got all the work to do on this one. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, we've got an expanding business on our hands here. And, Amen, brother. Yeah, and it's tough, but it's you know what I mean. It's you got to find a balance because it's if if I'm not creating content, then the business fails. I'm I hear your struggle, and you know it's I've sort of started writing for some more magazines now. Mm-hmm. And that's part of my problem too. It's like magazines just aren't what they used to be. And right. the, the opportunities there, the few people left, it's like they're wearing 10 hats to yeah. keep the thing alive. And uh, and they're trying to evolve and figure it out too. 
and the content we produce on Fish Track, it's still fun to put together, but it's very how-to oriented, which is mm-hmm. what people seem to seek out online. I've tried writing everything, and you yeah. can see what works and what doesn't online. And it's that, you know, if you want to learn how to tie knots and rig baits and go to fishtrack.com, <laughs> we yeah, got all that right. stuff because it's easy, and that's a good that's a good place to put that. It is a fantastic resource, though. Yeah. Not to it, plug it too much, but, I mean— you know, it, it really I is. hope so, yeah, you know, and, and, but it's also different from magazines that like the business model is we really cater to selling subscriptions, whereas you're not totally beholden to advertisers because mm-hmm. that whole model is just, it's tough these days, man. There's so many places trying to get ad dollars and it's just, uh, it's all different. A lot of companies are wanting now to put all their money to the click through stuff. And rightfully so. I mean, that's, you know, that's why I left more print. instantaneous. It's more direct and you can make a sale right now from that ad rather than having to mm-hmm. have someone read the ad and have to go to a store or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, it's just a lot. Quicker and we're research crazy. I, I, I don't do anything without researching it. Mm-hmm. Then where do you go? Where do you do all your research? Yeah. So it's been, and I don't know what's going to happen next, you know, but I can still write freelance once in a while and and it it helps my fix. That's why I did this book too. Yeah. It's because just creatively, I was struggling. Man, I didn't have a good outlet, and I was like, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna finish this book. It took me five years. Yeah, well, that's what I was asking before. It kind of took a little while to kind of get through all the content and call mm-hmm. it all together, right? And and it was good because it's the kind of book too that you don't need to read straight through because mm-hmm. it's sort of short stories, right? You know, there's a story where he's in Colombia. He goes, um, goes That's to Montana. That's smart to write it from that perspective, too. Yeah, it's all the same character, mm-hmm. same main character, and um, but then all these other interesting people. I can only imagine as a writer that you're facing a lot of walls with technology and the way media kind of brings that technology um, in front of people instantaneously, like the, the binge-watching on Netflix you know, it has to be very competitive for, say, a writer, you know, that that's writing books, you know, wanting people want to travel people to books or even a magazine writer want people to travel to magazines when people are just so instantaneous to go to like a Netflix or a Hulu Live. Like everyone's ditching cable. Oh, right? yeah. We, we ditched cable ago. like two years ago and we've, ne- we've never looked back. Like it's, it was like super easy now and it's cheaper and you get just as much content, if not more, mm-hmm. by doing so. You know, and that, that's got to be tough to compete against too. Uh, it is, but it also creates more opportunity. It's like I was saying, you just have to be agile. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you look at all that content, there's so much content. Mm-hmm. Somebody wrote every True. little bit of all that. Mm-hmm. But talking about cutting the cord, quick funny story. So Go ahead. we did the same. And so my younger son, I don't think he's ever dealt with cable. He's just used to on demand, whatever he wants. So we were at a, Thanksgiving last week and my stepmom put on some Nickelodeon channel or something. And every time a commercial came on, he was crying like, why, why are you messing with my movie? Where's my movie? And I'm like, dude, you have no idea. Yeah. That's so funny. On Hulu live. Was it Hulu live? No, she, she just has cable. Oh, oh, he's just watching cable. Yeah, he was watching like f- Nickelodeon or oh my god, that's funny Disney Channel or something. Because the funny thing is, is I have a similar thing with my daughter. She recently said to me, 
because we have the Hulu Live. But if you pay an extra five dollars a month, no commercials, you can bypass the commercials. So she recently, and she must have heard me say that to my wife. She's like, "Hey, Daddy, can we pay five dollars more a month for Hulu?" Live? <laughs> I'm like, "What?" She's smart. Girl. Yeah, she, she's like, "I just it's, these commercials come on to get in the way of my show." <laughs> she's right. I mean, that's a that's a solid investment. I would yeah. say. I hate commercials. I really do. I mean, for someone yeah. that has a background in advertising from a while ago, it's like, I can't stand your commercials. Oh, man. Talk about being agile, though. Advertising's tough. Advertising is super tough. And I, you know, that's a part of my job, too, is I sit in these meetings with boat companies and, and fishing companies, and it's like, you know, what's your goal? Who do you want to get? How are we going to do it? And it's, you've got to come. It's hard. you got to be so creative now. Yeah. So... With the book. With the book. Right. So you wrote the book. Now you're past the book. Right. Mm -hmm. you, you accomplished the book. What's going on with you now moving forward? You're going to write another book? Not right. I don't have any great ideas right now. I mean, I have a couple more Parker stories in me mm -hmm. that I could write, but I don't have enough for a whole book. Um, I'm not sure. I have some ideas for content, like streaming content, you know, mm -hmm. you, I think there's opportunity on some of those services for really good shows about boating mm -hmm. and, and some fishing stuff. You know, I, I look at a lot of the shows that are out there now, and I don't think they're really in line with the up-and-coming audience. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I see a lot of opportunity there, but, again, that would take, like, a lot of time investment. and So, I, I have... My problem is, is it's real easy for me to come up with ideas, but the execution, I get like halfway through and I get bored. Execution like, takes time too. Like this is way too hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, that's execution takes time. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of people don't see that. They just think, yeah, and you I got made it, a new and, painting. I wrote a new book. I just wrote that. And I've never made column. a TV show. So right. I, it wouldn't be, you know, you, you'd have to really pitch it to the right people and find the right partners. And I don't know. We'll see. I do have a, an idea for a business book using uh, like fishing analogies in business. Okay. Kind of like what we were saying about like all the things you learn. Right. So I started a long time ago, like creating a, a list of all these little things you do in fishing that could really apply to sales and, and mm -hmm. all this other stuff, you know, like how to, you know, what kind of bait do you need? Right, right. All yeah. those kinds of things. All the little details you need to pay attention yeah, to. You know, it's like, oh, this is how you tease them in. Right. But this is how you, this is how you right. get them to bite. Don't forget your rubber bands. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll see, man. We'll see. For right now, I'm just having fun. You know, I, I write for a handful of magazines and, and Fish Track's doing well. And I'd like to grow that. I'd like to, you know, continue to improve upon the tools we offer. Yeah. I'm starting to get pretty geeky on weather and all the data we have and it's amazing how much stuff is out there. You know, I think it's, I, I, I always enjoy when I bring on someone else that's I'll call it the, the industry, right? Because we're actually working in this and doing it for a living and making this, it's our livelihood, mm -hmm. right? which I think it's interesting to see though, where social media and different things have taken the industry for people that aren't necessarily in the industry make you know what I mean like I, we talked about influencers and all this other thing there's a completely new path being opened 
that needs to be paid attention to because it's a pretty huge path. But to navigate the path, some people think they can navigate it. Some people can't navigate it. Yeah. You know, I mean, how do you see that as affecting the industry? I think it's good and bad. I think authenticity shines. Mm -hmm. So you may be a young person, but if you're authentic and you don't come off as a know it, the most annoying thing is when people come off as a know it all. Yeah. And that's one thing I've always tried to really be careful about. Like if, if there's something I don't know, I'll find the, the person who knows and then I'll talk to them and then I'll use them in my story. Mm-hmm. I don't want it. I, it's not me. I'll quote Dennis about making art. I'll quote RJ Boyle about rigging swordfish baits, you know, and I think the problem with some of the, these influencers is they just project like they know everything, mm-hmm. not all of them. And I think you got to be careful with that. Um, but it's amazing, man. You you look around and you see some of these people like, um, who the heck was, do you know, um, I can't remember this fellow's name, Deer, Deer for Dinner, Rob Arrington or something. You know him? Deer Meat for Dinner, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. from around here and he's he does fishing and hunting. And um, someone told me, I mean, he's got like 2 million followers. Yeah. And you do the math, you can make like 50 grand a week. Yeah, that's or a crazy. month or whatever. I don't. I mean, he's, so it's a viable business, but it's also a long shot. It's mm-hmm. a long shot, and it's also not sustainable. I don't. Th- I think it's very fleeting. Yeah, and you gotta always be creating content. Mm-hmm. That's the part that I, I want to shut down. You know, I want to hang out with my family and just turn <sighs> yeah, it off. But that is exactly true. To to do that to be a real, you know, you're constantly posting and you know, color correcting and doing all this stuff. And I just, I don't, I see people on like, whenever I go, like literally every time I go on to like Instagram, whatever, like I'll see the same people over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Cause they just post like crazy. I'm just like, man, do you have a life? Yeah. My life is not that interesting. Your life that you want us to see. I'm that guy who, dude, I posted a picture of a bowl of matzo ball soup I made. That's my life. (laughs) Well, Hanukkah's coming soon. Yeah, dude. I mean, it was my first first attempt at matzo balls, and they came out really good. Really? Congratulations. (laughs) But that's the thing. It's like, I don't know. Do people really want to see that shit? That's the, exactly. All right. So we could be doing better on social media, no doubt about it, right? Everybody could. Everybody could, right? But you got to invest the time, and I'm just not, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, there's times I'll post on Instagram for like three days in a row and then I won't do it for like three weeks. I'm terrible. And yeah. it's also because I have to post stuff on fish track and I'm more focused on that than, you know, Charlie. And, and I've right. heard all these people say like, Oh, you're your own brand, you know? And I'm like, I'm not really trying to sell me. Yeah. I'm trying to, you know, keep the business I run going. Right. That's most important to me because that's, you know, that's what I do for a living. It's your job. Yeah. Yeah. And I still am a creative guy and I still like to travel and I still like to do all that fun stuff. But I mean, you don't, I don't need to post because during the week I'm just a dad, you know, I'm a nine to five working. We live the same way. I work at, I work from home. So now I've gotten like really socially inept because I hardly see anybody anymore. (laughs) I'm in this really weird vacuum of my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I said before. Having kids changes everything, you know, and that's why I kind of bring up like, you know, guys, guys like us who are actually working in the industry, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And just bringing home on his paychecks. And, and we're lucky, get, bro. Completely, completely lucky. 
I don't know how it happened. I, I do know how it happened because we work hard. Work hard. You got to hustle. Never stop. But it's a passion. You follow it because you love it. You do it because you love it. I mean, yeah. I couldn't imagine, you know, having to work this hard at something I didn't like to do. Mm. You know, but there's also that balance too. It's like, well, you could ruin the thing you like by make, doing it for a living. Also. That's true. But I know. found that like when I was in Colorado, I spent a, a few weeks like as a ski instructor. Right. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. I hated it. It would snow 10 inches and I'd be stuck with somebody's grandma on the bunny mm-hmm. hill, you know? Yeah. It wasn't for me. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting th- thing too about the, um, the charter captains. Oh yeah. Thing we were talking about before. It's like when I go fishing, you gotta be patient. Yeah. I'm, I'm not out on the water all the time anyway. I don't really fish, especially with the kids and with this place. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, I, I that's my part of working are rare. in the fishing industry. I know. It's, it's <laughs> you get busy, you can't fish. Exactly. So so it's like it's rare, you know what I mean, much more rare than usual to get out for me. You know what I mean? So now when I get out, I'm like, oh, man, I love it. And the constant reminders makes you of what appreciate I miss, it makes you more. appreciate it, all that stuff like that. But um, I wouldn't want to do it for a living. Yeah. yeah. It depends. There's so many weird gigs in this world, in this fishing world. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff I would like to do. Like what? Um, I wouldn't mind like running some really badass lodge somewhere or being affiliated with a badass lodge cool. or something. That would be cool. Like this thing we're doing with Expedition Fish Drag. I hope it goes well because I'd really like to expand that. Can you throw me one of those? Yeah. Thanks. So what do you do? What is, what is with Expedition Fish Track? Is it like, obviously it's not just going on to Guatemala. It's going to be the other things too, right? Yeah, so like I said, I mean, there'll be some real hands-on learning mm-hmm. and uh, very... But are you doing like different trips like all over the place? Or well, just- we we don't have anything on the calendar, but ideally, I mean, if we could make this a viable thing and we could, you know, because it's going to help people us. to Coral Springs, I can show them good spots to catch peacock bass. <laughs> Let's do it. I got my bass <laughs> rod in the truck. You hit a couple of golf courses. Let's go. <laughs> um but if it's a viable thing, because A, you know, it teaches people about the product, Fish Track. B, it helps me create content, which mm-hmm. I can use all over the place. And, you know, if C, if it makes some money, why not do a few more? Mm-hmm. I don't want to overextend it, though. We'll see how this first one goes. You know, I'm definitely going to, like, survey every person and say, you know, what was good, what was bad, mm-hmm. what would you improve? So uh, you're in beta right now. Yeah, total beta. And, you know, Ozzy's kind of doing all, all the logistics stuff. So that's, if I had to do the marketing and sales on top of actually like running a lodge and dealing with people's flights and whatnot, that'd be challenging. So we'll see. But I mean, it'd be great to have one in Louisiana, one in the Bahamas, mm-hmm. one in Cabo, you know, why not? Why not? So we'll see how great. it goes. If you need help, let me know. Yeah. No, I, you know, I'd be cool to bring on some sponsors too. Mm-hmm. If you're out there, sponsors. <laughs> yeah, sponsors. We all, we all need yeah, sponsors. Hook us up. <laughs> Did I mention that the show is sponsored by Joey Cardi Kreischer, Jeep Dodge Ram? Super Surreal up. Fishing. Yep. He's a really nice guy. Joey's the best. He took me fishing at the Jimmy Johnson tournament, and um, Skip, his captain, is super knowledgeable yep. guy. Oh, did you see the new series that we're doing on the show now? Mm-mm. The tournament talk? So um, Skip Dana and Art Sapp are going to come on now once a month. And Those dudes are good buddies too. Yeah. That no, should be they're, entertaining. They're, they're thick as thieves. The, um, so we're going to do a monthly recap on, because they fish every tournament. Yeah. Down we're here getting up least. and it's about happening here soon, right? Yeah. Well, we're, we just had, they just had the dust them off 
And then um, I heard it was really rough. Like you gotta watch. Rough. You gotta watch the episode with the. We just put it up like last week, but they go through the whole thing on the, actually how bad it was. You, you know those guys are very um, experienced on the water. Sure, They're fishing their whole lives like daily, and um, I think Skip said this, and I think Art agreed. Where he goes, I think that was like the toughest day that we've ever had on the water because it wasn't just because the seas were big, but it was also blowing 40. <sighs> yeah. And he's like wet, wet, constant wet. Yeah. That doesn't sound fun. Yeah. And then just, and sailfish and all the sail- over the place. Oh, they were. See, I thought all the bite was slow. The uh-uh. Well, the bite was they're slow in, because they're they, in pockets. Once they found yeah. them, they, they were right. on them, but they were like, they're all over, but, and it was tough to actually just bring them in because you couldn't really pitch to them because you could pitch against the wind and all this stuff like mm-hmm. that. So Art was saying like how he had to drive the boat was just like a constant, never-ending thinking. You know what I mean? And yeah, mm. it was a tough day. <sighs> but yeah, they're coming on. They're going to do a, the that whole tournament talk thing. That'll and, be cool. Yeah, have to check it out. Yeah, it's going to be really really cool. And so we got what silver sailfish coming up, and I think they're going to talk about that next. And then we start running into like um, all you know Jamie's tournaments and then the Jimmy mm-hmm. Johnson and. Um, Do you know how to paint another guitar? Meeting? Yes, I am. Well, see there, you have you have to paint. I have to paint. Well, no. So, well, that's the thing is that, um, with my initiative for next year is polar opposite than what we did this year. Okay. Like now that we've laid the foundation on the groundwork for everything that we wanted to do this year, and it's done, it's built. Now leave Dennis alone. Paint. There you go. Like a designer in here. We've got content that they they can design from. Licensed content, things like that. And I just need to generate new content. So that's really just going to be a year of painting ahead for me, which I'm very excited about. Oh, I bet. Extremely excited. Yeah. And, and podcasts. And podcasts, which is like my new favorite thing. Yeah. It is. I'm not going to lie. I'm no, like it's com- cool. completely in love with doing this. So. Well, I could see. I mean, you've you've already done what? 20 this is 29 yeah this is 29 it feels like you just started it a month or two ago Mm -hmm. yeah we've um well what we did was we wanted to do a bunch of episodes right off the bat so we're just like bringing in bringing in bringing in so we like fired off a whole bunch of them now we're like all right it's a little much and slow it down let's do like one maybe two a week if we can and you know but more more than more often than not we're going to do one a week Hmm. so and just keep it as like a thursday broadcast very cool. Yeah. Oh, we're having fun with it. Yeah. So what else is going on with you? You've been fishing? Um, I took the week of Thanksgiving off, and I fished three days, and I didn't catch a goddamn thing. Where'd you go? Fished out of Jupiter for a day with the guys from In the Bite, with uh, Dale's with guy. Dale? Yep. Yeah. How's he, he doing? I haven't seen him forever. Excuse me. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> it's like right there. Do you want me to get you a tissue? No, no. All right. He's good. He's a nice guy. He um he has a a twenty eight whaler that he bought and and had it redone and it's a cool family boat. But it's very he fishes it pretty well. I mean we were running, you know he's out of Jupiter, so they troll Dead Ballyhoo. Right. It's like south of that. Just, I don't know where the demarcation line is mm-hmm. where you start kite fishing, but. Um. So that was fun. Uh. But it was one of the most beautiful days I've had on the water weather-wise in mm-hmm. a long time it was right after a front it was 
we were wearing like i was wearing long sleeves didn't sweat all day yeah nice but there was just no bites we had a couple of like super micro bonita and then we went bottom fishing for a little while just caught grunts and whatever but didn't see a sailfish and then the next day there's so i live in orlando there's these uh canals out in Merritt island that you can walk and you can catch these landlocked tarpon it's pretty fun. derek's house it well i mean it's in that general vicinity yeah. It's north of him. Okay. Uh, it's on the other side of uh, the 528. So I did that, and I, normally you'll catch bass, no cichlids, tarp, oh, not a fucking bite. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And we also, we walked Biolab Road, which goes along the edge of Mosquito Lagoon. Mm-hmm. It's a real pretty area, though. I mean, it was another beautiful day. And then I fished. My stepmom lives on a canal in Dunedin. So we fished off her dock. Where's that? Uh, it's Dunedin? Like Dunedin. It's like north of Clearwater a little bit. Okay. It's really On the nice. west coast. West coast. Super cool little area. How's that area? It's kind, of, it's, it's kind of desolate up there, isn't it? No, it's great. Is it? I like it there a lot. Above Clearwater? I yeah, thought like above Clearwater pretty much starts getting like uncivilized a little bit, doesn't it? No, there's Dunedin's pretty busy. It's got a really quaint small town. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and then like I would say north of like... Tarpon Springs, you get into like that Homosassa Crystal yeah, River, and yeah. it's a little more old Florida, if you will. Right. Um, but no, Deneen's cool. Um, but yeah, we fished off her dock, and her son, her grandson, this boy Colton, he's like ten years old, and he just smoked me, man. He was like, he caught, he caught redfish, black drum. I don't know. He caught a little baby snook, and I, me and my son, we didn't catch anything. I was like, fuck this, I'm gonna go eat some turkey. <laughs> It's just how it Sounds is. like a bad run, Charles. It's a, but you know what? It's like you're saying, like I don't even care because I'm I'm out fishing. Doesn't matter. It's like we've, screw we've, it. We've caught fish. I've caught my fish, Maybe and I to see that smile and joy on that kid's face. I, I will say I didn't like it when he basically told me I didn't know how to fish. <laughs> he said that to you? not in those words, but you know he was like, "No, you got to cast it right over there. You're you're not in the spot." I'm like, "Just shut up." You know, <laughs> you're using the wrong bait. He's the sweetest boy. He's a really good kid. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Mosquito Lagoon. Um, yeah. And we bring up Mosquito Lagoon from time to time in this show because is Mosquito Lagoon ever going to come back without any flow? Yeah, it's – they're talking about making it all catch and release, which I would be for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know some of the guides are definitely pushing for that, mm-hmm. and I think it's a good idea – Especially for reds, you know, there's quite a few trout running around that. But the water looked pretty good. It's definitely gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. I find the further north you go, the better it is. So I think the biggest problem around there, honestly, is the septic issue. So all those houses mm-hmm. in Merritt Island. And they also say, you know, back in the way back, those were all orange groves and cow pastures. So a lot of that old agricultural waste mm-hmm. um, fertilizer and all that stuff is buried in that muck. And the muck is disgusting. There's this, I mean, it's black as your shirt and just smelly, nasty. There's no mitigating that. I, well, right. it's is frustrating, there? man, because they, a year, was it this last midterm? One of the recent elections, they had a, a two cent tax or some really small tax that would have 
funded some of these water quality issues mm-hmm. and th- they didn't pass. When was this? I can't remember, man. I don't. This there was the, recently the, the governor's election or one past that. I think it might have been one before that. I think I know what you're talking about, actually, with that two cent thing. The um, I you know, we talk about obviously with connected by water. We talked about we talk about water and the water issue a lot on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's obviously an area of concern is that whole mosquito yeah. lagoon thing. It's honestly the Indian River lagoon is worse because there's so much more development mm-hmm. around it. Mosquito lagoon for most part, is all wildlife refuge. Right. There's not, I mean, it's a huge place, and it's all NASA stuff. There's really no, until you get north, and then you get into, like, um, Edgewater and mm-hmm. those areas. But the Indian River Lagoon, south and Banana River, those spots are, are I think, are worse. Okay. Worse off because there's See, just. You're a Central Florida guy. I'm not, so this is educational for me. It's, it's good. Not to say the problem in Lagoon is the seagrass Mm -hmm. and a lot of that, I don't want to get you any hate mail, but the friggin' manatees, they eat all this goddamn grass. Damn manatees. Well, and so yes, save all the manatees, but then you ever seen how much grass a cow eats? Yeah. A cow can eat a lot of fucking grass. Mm -hmm. You've basically got one of those floating around in the water, just munching away nonstop. Yeah. So it's a very volatile thing. It's like, you know, if you, everything has a trickle down. So I certainly, I don't spend as much time out there as the guides do. And the, and the fellows from Hell's Bay, you know, they're, they're based right there and they, they've got their thumb on all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but from my outside perspective, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of vegetation issue. The water's always, it's never been, it's pretty tannic looking right now. It's got that like brown, mm-hmm. um, which makes it tough to sight fish. But you go down into the Indian River Lagoon, and sometimes it's like neon green. It's just gross looking. Yeah, you know it's um you know with with Rufus coming on recently really shed a lot of light on the reality of of water issues and water quality issues in that um old St. Lucie River too. Yeah, um, but. It's a tough balance, and, you know, people want to blame Big Sugar, and they're to blame. Yeah, but that's uh, but, an isolated but, issue. Yeah, it's an, exactly. It's an isolated issue. I think the, the bigger problem, <clears throat> I used to say that look, there's Big Sugar is number one, but a very close number two is just our sprawl. Yeah. But I'm all, you know, the more and more I talk about it, I'm almost thinking our sprawl is actually the number one issue. Well, those, the whole sugar mess, that system is just, unsus- it's just terrible. But, yeah, and if you look at it, everyone who takes a shit in Orlando, it's coming this way. Brown trouts. <laughs> Lots of, yeah, they're <laughs> swimming down river like there are crazy. brown trouts in Florida. <laughs> Millions of them. <laughs> so that's a part of the problem, too, because down here, you know, everything's moving this way. So I think that's, you. it is bigger than just big sugar. Mm-hmm. Um but all these isolated inlet issues, you know, with Laco, there's a million different little moving parts to this thing. Mm-hmm. And I think you just have to kind of pick your battles. I've been impressed with the governor, our new governor, 
I'm in love with DeSantis. I really, it's my goal in the show to have Governor Ron DeSantis be a guest on the podcast one day. That'd be a wonderful thing. Nice. Get some secret service in here. Yeah, for sure. No, I. No, I think he's been doing a great job. On that that front, I've been really, really impressed that he like, he has, he's taking charge and he's not afraid to, you know, chop some heads and get people out who aren't doing anything and, and get some legislation passed. And, you know, I, it's interesting. I just spent a week at a, there's this course called MREP for, it basically teaches you all about like fishery conservation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember what it stands for, but. Where was this at? They have them around the country. This one was in Tampa. So it's two, you take two weeks. First one, you learn all about the science involved. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. It was in St. Pete and you get to go through all of the scientists, you know, they've got a huge facility there. Uh, the Southeast uh, Regional NOAA building mm-hmm. where they're doing snook studies and tarpon studies and they're doing offshore trawls. Are they effective, those studies? Well, they have to do stock assessments. That's the biggest thing. So you, you have to figure out how many fish are in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And then they have to use that to accurately manage the fishery so there's like the science side they're way off on the american red snapper study dude i i heard red snapper so many times and that red yeah. snapper and grew because that's the money fish over there yeah and that's what they talk about constantly um so there's the science side and then there's the management side which is all the councils so there's eight councils around the country and these guys are basically ruled by law to govern the fisheries make sure we don't overfish stuff. So the first one you go to, you learned about how they gather all the science and all these different biologists talk. And it was super interesting. You get to like pull otoliths out of fish, you know, the otolith little mm-hmm. ear bones and age fish. And you see all the work they're doing. And then this other part was just maddening, dude. It's so slow. And it's just, uh, it's watching sausage get made. It's ugly. What? The management process, like you oh, the see management these, process. Yeah. yeah, so they, I don't know if we want to go down this wormhole, but <coughs> it was bad. I mean, it's not shocking influencer stuff. No. <laughs> and it, to me, like, talking, well, I mean, I, it's important to me. It's, yeah, it's important. To, and I, mean, I want to get involved. It's kind of why I bring it up with you, because I know you, you've got your thumb on the pulse of a lot of this stuff. And, you know, this is really one of the big goals of the show. It's like, yeah, we want to talk about the culture and get behind all and get behind the people and everything like that. But if this show has a cause, it's, it's clean water yeah, and fit and managed and properly managed fisheries. And that's a hard thing to achieve. Yeah. But it's so important. And so, you so know, I'd, you, I'd love to get your insight on, on all that. Yeah. So there's these eight councils, New England, mid Atlantic, Southeast, the Gulf, Pacific, uh, Caribbean, North Pacific, and so they're responsible by law, the Magnuson-Stevenson's Act, which was passed in the 70s and has been rewritten. It's up for a new one uh, here pretty soon. They're trying to get more flexibility. But by law, they have to make sure that the stocks aren't overfished. And it all started in the 70s because what was happening, all these Russian and, and overseas boats were coming and fishing right off our coast and just wiping out fisheries. And I grew up in Connecticut, and we saw it with the codfish, with the fluke. <clears throat> um, so that law basically said you can't come within 200 miles. And that was the big thing. And now it's gotten much more involved. And, mm-hmm. and every freaking fish has a fishery management plan. 
that part blew my mind. Every fish? Just about. I mean, if it swims, somebody's trying to fucking kill it. Right. And the, and they also, so the whole thing is they're, they're governing fisheries to maximum sustainable yield. So they want to fish it to the point where they can catch as much as they possibly can and make as much money without killing the fish stock. Mm-hmm. So they don't always give themselves a big buffer because they want to make the most money possible. Right. Whether it's recreational, commercial, whatever. <clears throat> so that's what you learn about on the side side. It's like they take these stock assessments. And so if they're, if the science is off or if the people fish over their quota, then everything gets messed up and the water gets muddy and they have to kind of redo their equations and, or they have to make emergency shutdowns and then they get, they bring all these issues up to the council. And that part is like, we learned about how that works. So it's like, you can be like, I make a motion to enact this change. And then some guy can be like, I second it in this. But if you know how to massage the system, mm-hmm. it seems like it can go on and on forever. Wow. Whereas I'm used to like, I like things to happen. Yeah. Like rapidly. Cause and effect. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's be agile. Let's get some, let's get some things done. And it's just a slow moving beast. But yeah. it's important and you have to be patient. And there's some great groups who sit and go to all these meetings and they, they testify. And that would be the biggest thing. I think if you really care about this stuff, whoever's listening, get to know your congressman or woman, show up in their office, write letters, l- take them fishing, make them understand what it's worth and what's mm. up for grabs. Yeah. We talk about that all the time. <coughs> the, um, with you really got to listen to the people that are out there every day. Yeah. And it's such big business here. Mm-hmm. South Florida, this is ground zero. Correct. It, fishing's like a seven, $8 billion industry in this mm-hmm. state. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in the Mecca. Mm-hmm. of the fishing world. The state is the mecca of the fishing world. And the governor gets it. And so that part of it is important. But when you, on the council, you have a lot of commercial interests, mm-hmm. commercial fishermen. And I don't begrudge these guys. It's their living. It's what they do. So there's commercial guys. Art would be a good one to talk to about this because he's very well, involved. We, no, we talked, we talked, yeah. He probably knows a lot more than I yeah, do. He's been on separately to just talk about this. Yeah, so it's you've got the commercial guys, the recreational guys, a couple scientists, some state fishery guys, and, you know, like a chairperson or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard. You've got competing interests, you know. But at the end of the day, I feel like you should do what's best for the resource. Um, you know. But not everybody agrees with that. Yeah, not everyone agrees with it. But, you know, <clears throat> part of my goal in, in bringing a lot of this stuff up um, and at length I'd like to talk about it too. You know what I mean? Because I think it's really important to bring this into the forefront. Whoever wants to listen to the show, you know what I mean? And hopefully we can expand our viewer episode 29. Hopefully episode a thousand comes and we have hundreds of thousands of followers and we can really bring the message out. But part of my goal is to, you know, just like you want to say raise awareness or just sure enlighten people on, you know, what, what are the ins and outs of all these things? Because maybe people don't know what article to go read or what source to trust. Or that's why I think I bring on people on this show that are ground zero sources of people that actually know about this stuff, whether you're on the water, 
Um, you know, whether you're in the industry and you do it for a living and a fish track has to know all about all this stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You bring you on, you're extremely intelligent, um, you know, highly knowledgeable about the topic. And I think it's important that you know, maybe we can bring this to people that are listening to the show that may not be fishermen, that, yeah. may, that may not be anglers. Maybe they're just, you know, casual Floridians listening to the show called Connected by Water. Mm -hmm. They like the culture aspect of it. But when we throw this in their face, they're like, oh, I didn't know that about Noah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, every fisherman, so it's like whenever I'm going out with my wife to a dinner party or something, mm -hmm. let's say they, they're serving like farm salmon. Right. My wife will be like, just shut your mouth. Please. But I'll say no, because nobody, it's a lot of people, they just don't know. They don't know. And so it's, I think it's really important that like chefs and, and waiter, waiters and waitresses, because they're in a position, especially like there's so many really cool restaurants that will only serve like local caught, you know, Florida seafood, or maybe they fly it in fresh from somewhere and they can explain to the consumer like, yeah, it might be a little bit more expensive, but this fish, guess what? Tastes like fucking fish. Mm -hmm. It's delicious yep. and it's, and it's sustainable and this is why we support it. And so I do think if we can just tell our friends and people at work or you, you don't have to fish to, to know what you like and know that it, like, if you don't take care of it, it's going to go away. Right. And I do that all the time. So I'll explain to people like why farm salmon maybe isn't the best choice, you know, and not to be a dick or to be, make them feel stupid, but just cause they don't know. Right. A lot of people, it's like, Hey, I bought it. It was on sale. Tastes fine. I put whatever on it and it was good. Right. Well, there's a way to deliver that message and there's a way not to deliver the message. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the important thing is, is that the message gets delivered. Yeah. Don't ever eat tilapia. Oh God, it's the worst. That, that one I always go I off remember, on. I remember people used to think that tilapia was like this fancy fish. It's like shit fish. It's horrible. It's like the worst fish It's literally fish you like eat. grown in shit. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's, it's brown trout. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to say that on the show forever. Now. I think, I think I've gotten a lot of people to stop eating tilapia. Yeah, I have too. And it's, it's good because it's unhealthy and it's gross. It's gross. I, honestly, it's not gross. It, it's gross to think about, but I mean, if a lot of times it's a very mild tasting fish, but no, it, I don't mean like gross tasting. It's, it's like the concept yes, of eating. It's gross because it's farmed in those conditions. And you, yeah. honestly, any kind of fish that's getting flown in from overseas, you have to be a little suspect of. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the problem too, because fish have tails and they go all over the place. They cross borders constantly. So it's frustrating because we can really do a good job of managing fish here in the States that same fish could swim down to the Bahamas and get whacked by a Chinese boat yeah. or a Korean boat or mm -hmm. Peruvian or, or Panama. I mean, there's all these different flag vessels and every country has different rules. So it's very challenging. Freshwater fish is a little easier, but even there, like with salmon and hatcheries and I mean, it's just, you're bringing in exotics and everything like that too. And it you gets know, really, and we got snake head really issues and all the other kind of stuff. That's, you know, I, I haven't caught a snakehead. I want to go catch some of these weird things. <laughs> I want to catch one of those clown knife. Yeah, I want, I, I, I want to catch one of those, too. I haven't caught one of those. You know, let's Lake, Lake let's Ida, do a trip. Yeah, we should. Lake Ida, right up near here, is a good spot for that. I got a name. Loxahatchee. They got a lot through there, too. There I would love to catch one of those weird things. Yeah. Where the hell do those things come from? Yeah, I don't know. Do you know where 
clown same Bowie, same Bowie thing just you know they're they're exotics they're they're tank pets and somehow they got into our waterways and just blew up Amazon they have no fish. they have no natural predators here so they just well like the peacock was like consciously <laughs> brought in that was brought in to take yeah. care of the cichlid and tilapia mm-hmm. problems that we have yeah hmm. <laughs> We should do a trip, though. We're our own worst enemies. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. We're the problem. <laughs> it's not no, the there's thing. no doubt about that, right? <laughs> like, we are the problem, you know, yeah. and I don't want to, I don't like getting too, like, overly environmental about it because I'm not really overly environmental. It's just, I just, my stance on that is that I just think that people just need to be responsible. Yeah. Do the best we can, you know, because if we take extreme measures, then yeah. extreme, extreme things happen. You know, I agree. Could, could do more harm than good. And I, I do have a goal to get more involved in this council process and sort of sit on advisory panel and actually weigh in on these things. But it's funny, like I could have never done it in my twenties. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm 44 now, and it's like now I think I can like sit back and you have to just be. It's such a slow moving process at times mm-hmm. that you have to kind of be cool headed. It's an interesting age. <laughs> we're, the, we're the same age. I'm saying oh, okay. it's, it's an interesting age. You know, you start looking at things very, especially if you're a dad, you really start looking at the world completely differently. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're just like, yeah, like when you like when you're in your 20s, you think that 40 year old guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Something I'm like, yeah, get off that lawn. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> like, deserve that lawn. Get off that lawn. <laughs> <laughs> I worked hard for that lawn. Yeah. So, so let's go catch him. Um, let's do a trip like that. Yeah, there's three I want to catch. I want to catch, well, I've caught peacocks. Mm-hmm. So I guess I really just need the snakehead and the clown knife. Mm-hmm. But I'd be up for it. Yeah, we should. The um, We should get Adrian and Regina and, like, go because he bike rides now and catches all these things. Does he? Their house in Sebastian now. Yeah. Are they still there? I thought they were going to make another move or something. Did they make another move? No, I, don't, I, don't, I just I talked to him the other day. He didn't bring anything okay. up about it, but I uh, I hope not. I still haven't gotten to see his place there. Yeah, no, me neither. So anyway, but he's uh, we're we always talk about it, but it never happens. I don't Busy. Know. Busy. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, that's it. We're done. Well, yeah. Hour twenty five so Ooh. far. Ooh, that went fast. <laughs> yeah. The um, unless there's anything else you want to discuss. I could just keep rambling, but keep no rambling. one wants to hear that. Suck dry. Oh, here, I'll read people, you. Read me, read me more from the book. There's a, this is the one thing I always read when I'm at a, uh, like, seminar or something. It's the Ten Commandments do, of Fishing. Do a lot of readings? Uh, it's weird. They come in waves. It's usually I give a seminar about, like, SST stuff, and then I try to sell books. Okay. So this chapter is called Sandbaggers. Sandbagger is a person who downplays or misrepresents his or her ability in order to deceive, cheat, or obtain the upper hand, especially in gambling or, in this case, fishing. So this is about, like, a guy. It was an offshore fishing tournament, and this one dude was getting information from everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, guys were, and he wasn't sharing information. So shit went down. Brown shots. <laughs> So, Every time someone says shit on the show now, from now on, I'm going to say brown trap. <laughs> we should just get the recording. You just hit hit the button. Brown trap. 
So this is, uh, in an effort to assuage future dockside shenanigans, I have taken the liberty of constructing some basic rules for fishermen to abide by. So let it be said that the unwritten rules are now written. Forgive me if I sound a little preachy. The Ten Commandments of Fishing. Number one, don't be a dick. I claim this rule to be self-evident. Number two, never leave a boat in need. Always, always, always respond to emergencies at sea. If you see a dead boat, make an effort to help out. It's mariner's law. What goes around comes around. Number three, thou shall not steal another man's spot. This one bothers me. Don't be that guy. Fishermen's GPS waypoints and unmarked hotspots are sacred property. We spend thousands of hours on the water and obscene amounts of money to accumulate a log full of fishing spots. Yes, you can cruise right by and grab my numbers, but I say shame on you. Number four, don't cheat and don't lie. Fishermen exaggerate the truth, but don't lie. Don't cheat in tournaments. Don't shove weights down the belly of a fish you're about to place on a scale. It makes us all look bad. Number five, maintain a wide berth when someone is hooked up. Nothing is more frustrating than another boat motoring over to you as you're fighting a fish. I've seen people try to run over each other's lines in big money tournaments to cut off a potential winner. People like that deserve a de- bleh. people like that deserve a jellyfish sting down below. Number six, respect the locals. Every location has its own way of doing things. Be friendly and courteous when you arrive to fish a new spot. Help the locals gain their respect, and you will be rewarded. Treat them like dog shit, and you'll end up like Captain Cook, who was murdered. Uh, Number seven, don't covet thy neighbor's boat. It's not the size of the boat that matters. Number eight, don't covet thy neighbor's mate. And I'm not talking about spouse. I'm talking about, like, deckhands. Uh, This one has a fair bit of gray area, but you shouldn't make a habit of stealing good deckhands from others. If they come to you on their own will, well, that's another story. Number nine, own up to your mistakes. If you break something on the boat, be honest about it and either pay to get it fixed or roll up your sleeves and fix it yourself. If you screw up and miss a fish, expect to be mocked. Take it like a champ. Happens to all of us. Number 10, have fun. It's fishing. It's not school. It's not work. If you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. There you go. Let I love it be said. It. I all love right. it. Thanks, Dennis. Yeah, man. That was fun. Charlie Levine, master, author, writer, entrepreneur, all things wonderful about yeah. dad, the fishing husband, industry. Dad, husband. Drinking buddy. That's it. <laughs> So your ego is not your amigo, right? Just do your best and let God do the rest. Always remember to buy all your cars and trucks from Joey Accardi, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Subaru, and never forget that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we're always connected by water. Sweet. You'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.